around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we draw, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to a very special episode of Podski Wee Wee. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. As promised at the end of our last show, we are here for a second time this week. I guess technically third time since we... Well, no, I guess this would be the second time. The third time will be the post-game show that we do later in the week. But we're here this week now for a second episode to do our annual season preview. A live show last Friday, show proper on Monday, this show today. Another live show on Friday, like I said. I sure hope people like the sound of our voices, man, because they're going to be hearing a lot from us this week. So if you don't like how we sound, you're going to really hate us this week because you're getting way more Podsky Wee Wee than I think you've ever imagined, are they not? Yeah, this is going to be, um, this year there's going to be a lot of Podsky Wee Wee content. And uh, yeah, like like Josh said, if you don't like our voices, then I guess you won't be tuning in. But if you do, there'll be lots of stuff to listen to. Absolutely. This is a good litmus test for some of the things. This is called a tease, people. Some of the things we have planned for later in the year. In all seriousness, we decided to split up the season preview episode. If you listen to the last episode we did, where we talked mostly Ticats, into two episodes. Basically, this is our Infinity War and Endgame of CFL podcasts. They're both going to be fantastic. We hope you are tuning in for both. So if you want to hear our thoughts, however, on kind of the most recent Ticats news of the past week, We've uploaded that show already. You can go listen to that now. It's in our archives. This episode, we'll touch on the Ticats a little bit because they're involved in the CFL, obviously, but we're going to spend most of our time together today previewing the upcoming CFL season. We're going to give you our predictions on who finishes where in each division. We will give you our picks for the league's top awards. And once again, we will make some bold predictions for the upcoming year as we did last year. We're also going to play a fun new game that I'm really excited to debut so much to get into, so let's just jump right into it and kick things off and talk about how we see the regular season playing out. Let's start in the East Division this year, Mike. Lots of changes to the four teams in 2023. Three of the four clubs have new starting quarterbacks, while two of the four teams also have new head coaches. The Argos have a new starter in Chad Kelly and are looking to finish first in the division for the third year in a row for the first time in almost 40 years. Do you, do you know that the last time... The Argos finished first in the East Division was 1982, 1983, and 1984. That's those. I was born in 1982. I was in diapers the last time the Argos started a run like this. I might have still been in diapers when they ended the run in 84. I don't remember if I was wearing diapers at two years old. I probably was. Uh, the Alouettes have their own new starter in Cody Fajardo and head coach in Jason Moss. And we'll need to find someone to assume that number one receiver role after Eugene Lewis left in free agency for Edmonton. The Ticats, our Ticats, have their own new starting quarterback in Bo Levi-Mitchell and turned over half the roster that started the East semifinal against the Alouettes last November. And then there are the Ottawa Red Blacks who are hoping that the elevation of Bob Dice to head coach will stop them from finishing last place in the division for a fourth consecutive season. But new year, new division. So, Mike, how do you see things shaking out in the East division in 2023? Is it similar to a year ago? Or does the East have a new pecking order? Let's go from four to one. What's your order of finishing the East, Mike? So in the Eastern Division, I have the Montreal Alouettes in fourth place. I just think that Cody Vajardo and Jason Moss, they just, they played, they they were linked up together in Saskatchewan. And it didn't work out that well. Jason Moss is a, you know, he likes to toss the ball downfield. He likes to throw the ball a lot. I just... There was rumors about them not getting along last season. I don't think that's the case. I just don't think Jason Moss's schemes or playbook necessarily work with a guy like Cody Fajardo. You know, they lost a lot of their players in the offseason because of the mess that the ownership was in. So I, I just don't see the Montreal Alouettes improving. I see, I see them dropping. So I have them in fourth place in the Eastern Division. 
And then I have the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, there's a, you know, over the last couple of years, they brought in a lot of guys, a lot of good talent, a lot of guys from Hamilton. Jeremiah Mazzoli's coming off that bad knee in- injury. I just, I don't know if he's going to be the same guy. I don't know if the Ottawa Red Blacks are going to sync up right with all those pieces they brought in. Are they an actual team or are they just a number of players? So I see them finishing in third in the Eastern Division. Toronto, I think, is going to be pretty good this year. Uh, you know, I think they may have improved over the last year with their team as a whole, except for maybe the quarterback position. Obviously, that's a huge question with Chad Kelly leading the way. He only played in one game last regular season. It was a, a meaningless game at the end of the year. Obviously, he came in in the Grey Cup and, and did some good things there with the scramble near the end of the game, moving the ball a little bit for the Argonauts. Uh, you might argue that he got the win for them, but he's still a young quarterback, and we don't know what he's actually going to be as the starting guy for a whole season. I see them doing well. I think they have a good team, but I think they'll be second behind our Hamilton Tiger Cats, and I have them. I'll, I'll, I'll give out the record for the Tiger Cats I think they'll have, and it's not what you might suspect from me. I think they're going to be 12-6. and six. I think wow. they have a very, very solid team. The expectations are high. They, it's either Grey Cup or, you know, I don't, I hate saying failure because, you know, the players put so much into this, the coaches put so much into it, but it's, it's Grey Cup or bust this year. This is what they're going for. They're going to be first in the East. They're going to have a 12 and six record and they're going to dominate, but it's going to be close. I think, I think the Toronto Argonauts are going to stick around and it'll be tight with that one, two spot in the East. Our, our picks are, are very similar. I also have the Montreal Alouettes in last place. I'm not a believer in Cody Fajardo as listeners of this show and readers of my stuff on three down will know. I, I like Jason Moss as a head coach better than most. I just don't know if there's enough talent there. Who's he going to throw to? I know he's got Greg Ellingson in the receiving core, but can you really rely on, on a guy like Ellingson, 34, 35 years old, to stay healthy for a full season as your number one? I don't necessarily know that you can. So I just don't see the Montreal Alouettes improving on last year. And like you, I see them taking a slide down the standings. Uh, in third place, I have the Toronto Argonauts. I am not a believer in Chad Kelly. And one of my bold predictions will involve Mr. Kelly when we get to that section later in the show. The roster is fine. The coaching staff is fine. But to me, it revolves around the quarterback position in this league. And I just don't think Kelly, for all the physical tools he has, is going to be able to put it together. I'm not as big on A.J. Ouellette as the starting running back as a lot of people are. And I don't really think a running game matters much, as much in the CFL as it might in, say, the NFL, simply because you can run the ball till the cows come home. But if you can't throw the ball in this league, you can't win. And I just don't think that the Argonauts, they tend to follow up championship seasons with a little bit of a down year. When they last won the cup in 2017, they followed it up with a four and 14 year. I don't think they fall that far, but I do think that changes around them in the division make them the third place team for me. In second place, I have the Ottawa Red Blacks. This is the last year I'm hopping on the Red Blacks train. Last year, I also had them in second place. I was a believer in the moves they made. Jeremiah Mazzoli as a starting quarterback, although it doesn't look like he's going to start the season in that spot. It's going to be Nick Arbuckle. So I do think that the Red Blacks will finish or start the season a little slowly while they try to reintegrate Jeremiah into the lineup. This The, the Red Blacks feel like a team that's going to hover in that 8-9-10 win territory. So a 9-9 season for them wouldn't be out of the question. But I think in the East Division, 9-9 might be good enough to get you into second place. In fact, I, I predict that it will get you into second place. And, and I just like some of the moves they've made. I like that coaching staff. I think Bob, the players are going to play hard for Bob Dice. And I think that they have a little bit more talent there than they did a year ago. And I don't think they're going to deal with the, with the turmoil that they did last year when they, you know, they lost their starting quarterback to injury. But there is a big question mark with, with Mazzoli and his health uh, stemming back now all the way from 2019. He hasn't, he hasn't played a full season in, in quite some time. So, and with him getting up there in age, there are questions there, but I just like Ottawa a little bit more than I like Toronto. And much like you in first place, I got the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I think the moves they made, getting Bo Levi Mitchell, I think that that's going to set this team apart from the rest of the pack. I don't think they're going to run away with the division. Uh, I actually have them finishing with a worse record than you do. I think they're going to finish at 11 and 7. I think that like the 
Ty Cats don't tend to start seasons fast. They got that date with Winnipeg, as we talked about on the last episode when we previewed the game. I just think that this could be a team that maybe starts like two and two, maybe, but then gets rolling as the season progresses and we see them win like 10 of their last 12 or you know what I mean? Like something along those lines where they, they start, they, they deal with some adversity early on and it helps the team gel later in the season, but I still think they're going to finish first. I think the road to the gray cup that will be in Hamilton goes through Hamilton. So yeah, not a, not a ton of change there. Uh, you believe in the Argos more than I do. I believe in the red blacks more than you do. So not a whole heck of a lot to, uh, to discuss there. So let's move over to the West division. Now seems like as if it's Winnipeg's division to lose, they reloaded in the off season after failing to capture a third straight championship adding receiver Kenny Lawler to an already loaded roster. Although as if you listen to our last episode, Lawler will not be playing the first few weeks of the season due to a suspension stemming from an incident in 2021 for the first time since 2013, the stamps will enter a season without Bo Levi Mitchell as their starter as Jake Mayer is now the man in Cowtown. Edmonton is in year two of the second Chris Jones era and will be looking to take the leap after two down years. Wunderkind quarterback, Nathan Rourke has gone from BC and in his place, they have both Vernon Adams and Dane Evans with the hopes that that pair can help that team build off a surprising 12 and six 2022 season. And then we have the riders who made perhaps the biggest splashes of all in the West division in free agency when they lured Trevor Harris away from the Montreal Alouettes to be the new quarterback in Regina. How do you think the West will be won in 2023? Is it Winnipeg and everyone else, or you got to change in the pecking order out West as well? In the fifth spot, I have the Saskatchewan. Some improvements. I think they brought in some guys along the, along the offensive line. Uh, I just, I don't think it's going to be enough. I'm not a big believer in Craig Dickinson as head coach. I think last season it kind of fell apart on him. And it was pretty obvious that it did. Players weren't listening to them. They were very undisciplined. So there's a lot of pressure, a ton of pressure on Craig Dickinson and his staff this season. And if they don't perform, uh, I'm not sure they'll be back, especially you know in Saskatchewan where there's there's so much fanfare and, and pressure on on the coach and on the quarterbacks and everything like that. And I know they brought in Trevor Harris, who is a, a proven commodity in this league, I'll say, but... I just don't think it's going to be enough to leapfrog them over any team in the West this season. So I have them in last place. Now in fourth place, I have the BC Lions. And I know they had a very strong year last season. There's no doubt about it. Nathan Rourke was a tremendous asset for that team. But I noticed when Trevor, or when uh, Nathan Rourke went down with an injury, you know, the offensive line didn't look as good as it did with him in it. Uh, Vernon Adams was kind of moving around a lot in the pocket it just didn't seem the same so i think that nathan rourke made that offensive line look really good with his play avoiding the pressure and all that good stuff that he did and i'm not a believer in rick campbell i just don't think he's a very good coach i think we're going to see uh, a steep drop off from what we saw last season and i know that uh, vernon adams played very well in the second preseason game i think he went 13 for 13 and he looked looked like an all-star quarterback but that's the preseason right uh, we're going to see a different Vernon Adams in the regular season. And then if he falters, maybe Danny, Dane Evans comes in. But I, I just losing their best offensive lineman, Joel Figueroa, to the Hamilton Tiger Cats is going to hurt them, I think. And yeah, I just see them dropping off and they're in fourth place in my eyes. In third place, I have the Edmonton Elks. I think they're going to be much improved over last year. The only question mark I really have is the offensive line for them. Uh, they gave away a few good pieces to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Actually, three offensive linemen, if you uh, if you count Colin Kelly, who is back in the league now with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, that's a bit of a question mark. But I think that they've made improvements on the defense. I think they got better as the year went on. I think Taylor Cornelius is ready to take another step up. With the weapons he has around him, a very strong uh, receiving unit. So I think they make pretty good, you know, a very big leap this year. So they finish third, make the playoffs. I have Calgary in second. And I know in an earlier episode, I was questioning whether Calgary would would do well this season. Well, I just can't. I just can't pick against them. You know, it, you finally just, it, earned, it, you finally learned the error of your way. Stop yes. picking on the stamps demise. It's never a good idea. 
you're absolutely correct. So I have them in second this year. Uh, uh, you know, they've lost a lot of players, but they lose a lot of players every single year, and they bring in guys that replace them. And they have a tremendous scouting department. I think they've done pretty well in drafting the last, you know, decade or so. So the Calgary Stampeders will probably be up there, and I have them at number two. And obviously that leaves Winnipeg. They're still the cream of, cro- cream of the crop in the league, even though they lost the Great Cup last year. I still think they're the team to beat. Uh, they brought back most of their team again. Uh, Kenny Lawler's back in the fold, even though he'll miss uh, the first couple of games of the season. I think that really adds to the receiving core. So, yeah, I have Winnipeg at the top of the heap once again. All right. I'm not going to keep the short and sweet. I have the exact same order of finishes you do in the West. I got hmm. Saskatchewan in fifth, BC in fourth, Edmonton third, Calgary second, Winnipeg in first. So instead of discussing that, so every uh, we'll, we'll have a little bit of a different conversation here. Every year I sit down with the CFL schedule and I literally pick who I think is going to win each game. And therefore I get my set of standings based on who I think is going to win what. It's usually wrong because every year there's a team that underperforms and a team that overperforms and you end up getting these things wrong. But when I did it for the West... I ended up with Winnipeg at 12 wins, winning the division, which I mean, is probably a little less than people would think. But I think people think Winnipeg's probably a 14-win team, especially after losing just – like I have them losing six games this year. They've lost six games the past two seasons. So I could see why people might cast a, a weird eye at that. But I do think that Winnipeg is due for kind of a, a bit of a regression just because last year they put up such gaudy numbers. They were so dominant. That doesn't last forever. Even those great Calvio teams had years where they went 10 and 8 and 11 and 7. They didn't go 15 and 3, 14 and 4 every year. But what I what was interesting when I sat down and did the numbers after I was after I had predicted the standings is that I got Calgary at 10 and 8, Edmonton and BC at 9 and 9, and the difference there was I had Edmonton winning the season series over the Lions and the Riders at 8 and 10. So there's a two game difference between fifth and second in the West for me. Do you think the West division will be as close as I'm predicting? Or do you think that maybe Winnipeg will be a little bit higher? Calgary's just a notch below. And then there's a kind of a gooey or middle and the riders are, are way down there. Or do you think this is going to be a battle throughout the entire season? Cause I think this year, and I know we say it every year kind of, well, I mean, we, every year we say this is the year the East is going to do something, but I feel like this year with the changes that every team made, it feels as if there's not going to be that like two and 16 team. Like I had the Alouettes finishing at six and 12 with the worst <laughs> record in the league. And I think that would be one of the better like last place records over the last few seasons. So I feel as if this, this year is going to be a lot tighter. What what do you think about, do you think this is going to be a, a season that sees one team fall off quickly and one team ascend, or is there going to be a, a kind of a log jam in the standings this year? I think there's going to be more parity in the West. Like you think, uh, you know, I think Edmonton is going to be improved, so they're going to be closer in it. Uh, I think even Saskatchewan, even though I picked them to be last, I think they are improved. I would take, even though I'm not a huge fan of either quarterbacks, I think I'd take Trevor Harris over Cody Fajardo. And I think they have made some improvements uh, along the offensive line as well. So they're going to win some games. They're just not going to be in the thick of things. So, yeah, I could totally see a closer Western division this season. All right, now let's predict the playoffs. Before we get into this year's predictions, Mike, I got to give you your flowers for correctly predicting last year that our Grey Cup matchup would be the Argos and the Bombers at the start of the season. That was your Grey Cup pick. Now, you didn't pick the Argos to win, but considering my Grey Cup pick was Ottawa and Saskatchewan, you absolutely deserve to lord over me that you correctly picked both Grey Cup participants from a year ago. So congratulations on that. But let's do this year. We will start in the West this time. I'm nicknaming you Mike Stradamus now. You are the Nostradamus of CFL prognostication. How do you have the West side of the bracket playing out? For the West semi, I have Calgary versus Edmonton uh, in Calgary. I have the Edmonton Elks winning that game and going to Winnipeg in the West final. But then I have the Winnipeg Blue Bombers beating the wow. Edmonton Elks. Uh, yeah, and they, they make it to the Grey Cup once again. And I know people will probably be tired of seeing that, but I just, that's how I see it. I, I don't see the Winnipeg uh, reign of terror ending this season. Okay, so my West semi is the same as yours. 
It's Edmonton. I mean, our, our standings were the same in the West, so it's obviously the same. It's Edmonton at Calgary. However, I have the Calgary Stampeders emerging victorious in that game, heading to Winnipeg for the West final. And the crown of Kings in the West changes hands. It goes on to the heads of the Calgary Stampeders, and it will be the Calgary Stampeders vying for the 110th Grey Cup here in Hamilton in November. So, Mike, let's move over to the east side of the bracket. How do you have that playing out? And most importantly, is there a crossover this year? There is a crossover this year. It's Hamilton versus BC. Well, hold on. You mean, uh, you know, I will not... you had, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You had Hamilton at first. They're not in the East Semi. Oh, my bad. Fuck Toronto <laughs> versus BC. So Toronto and BC. There we go. That's what, that's what I meant. Toronto versus BC in the East semifinal. And, uh, you know, I think the, the BC Lions are good enough to make the crossover, but I don't think they're good enough to beat the Toronto Argonauts. So I have the Toronto Argonauts advancing to Hamilton at Tim Hortons Field. Okay, so hold on, hold on, pause for a second. So you, okay. have the, you have the East Final in Hamilton of Toronto and the Ticats. You have Winnipeg in the Grey Cup. So that means either for the third time in four seasons, you think we're getting Winnipeg and Hamilton, or we are getting our second straight back-to-back Grey Cup matchup because we had the Ticats in 2019 against the Bombers and the Ticats against the Bombers in 2021. If you pick the Argos, it's Winnipeg and Toronto for the second straight year. So, didn't mean to cut you off. Just wanted to lay that out because I think that's a really interesting possibility. Your East Division Grey Cup representative is? In a very close game, as you know, usual, when the Hamilton and the Argon- Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Argonauts meet up in the playoffs, I think it's going to be a very tight matchup. But I have our Hamilton Tiger there Cats. There we go! advancing to the Grey Cup in Hamilton against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So much like you, I too have an East crossover team as well as it obviously being the BC Lions. But I have them going to Ottawa because that's who I had finishing second. So the Argos do not make the playoffs, do not get a chance to defend their Grey Cup championship. Much like you, I think BC is good enough to make the playoffs, but I don't think they are good enough to get the job done. So I have the Ottawa Red Blacks advancing to the East final in Hamilton to play the Tiger Cats. And, you know, the storylines will be there. The the amount of ex-Tie Cats that are in Ottawa, Jeremiah Mazzoli's return if he's still the quarterback there, Sean Burke, Jalen Ackland, Braylon Addison, who will probably be on the field by then. The number of ex-Tie Cats in Ottawa, we all know how many there are there. They don't get the job done. That team, those players couldn't get the job done when they were in Hamilton. They don't get the job done when they're playing Hamilton. So much like you, I have the Hamilton Tiger Cats representing the East Division in the Grey Cup. That means your Grey Cup matchup is the Hamilton Tiger Cats hosting, because it's at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I have the Hamilton Tiger Cats hosting the Calgary Stampeders. So, Mike, the team that will hoist the Grey Cup at Tim Hortons Field in the final game of the year, in late November, will be the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Let's go. <clears throat> and now I hate to be positive, you know, because I don't want to jinx it. Twelve but... and six, and picking them to win the cup. Yeah, are, it's are time, pick, man. Are you gonna Are you gonna pick them up to sweep the player awards too? Jeez, you're all on board. I love it. Well, we're gonna have to wait a little <laughs> bit to that, but I, I will. I will say I don't have, you know, I have more than one. Uh, winning an yeah. award, so uh, yeah, Hamilton wins at home. It's the fairy tale story, and they finally grab that great cup. Been too long, they finally get the championship. I got the Cats winning the cup. Come on, Calgary and Hamilton in the Grey Cup. Bo going against his old team. Yeah, he'll he'll obliterate them if that if that ends up being the matchup. I I think Hamilton Winnipeg matchup I think would be a lot closer. I think Calgary would come in here and get their their brakes beaten off. I think it's been nearly a quarter century. It's been long enough. It's been built up. It's time. Finally, the 1999 jokes dead and buried. When the season is all said and done, everyone who doubted Bo Levi Mitchell will be eating crow. You'll be getting a Bo Levi Mitchell tattoo somewhere on your body. I presume. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but we will be celebrating together because you will be here for the game. Are you? Yeah, wait, do you have tickets yet? Not yet, but I'll okay. Be on but the you'll be here. 
and whether, here. I mean, whether you're at the game or not, post game, you'll make your way over to the stadium. I'm sure you'll be mm-hmm. watching close by if you don't get in there. We'll meet up outside the stadium. We'll hug. Maybe we'll even kiss. We'll cry. We'll be celebrating. Who knows? We are going to be celebrating our Hamilton Tiger Cats winning the Grey Cup. That's just the way this has got to be. It's just, it, I know life isn't a storybook, but that's a storybook ending. So we're on the record. I know we've done this before where we both had the Cats winning, but I this year I don't think I've ever felt as confident that Hamilton would emerge victorious as I had in any of the previous seasons that we picked them. And last year, neither of us picked the tie Cats to make the Grey Cup. So you can't just say this is a homer pick. We truly, I speak for myself and I feel comfortable speaking for you. We truly believe the tie Cats will win it this year. It's meant to be. It's meant to be. Hopefully, we'll be this excited at the end of the season as we are before the season begins. Um, I'm just gonna throw this out there. Uh, this wasn't planned. I just thought of it now. Bo, Grey Cup MVP, you think? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. If the Tie Cats win, I think Bo's gonna have to have a really good performance. And yeah, I could totally see him being Grey Cup MVP. Yeah, if, if if Hamilton wins, that I think that's exactly where the award will go. Speaking of awards, let's get into the yearly player awards. Uh, who do you have winning some of these major awards? Let's start with coach of the year. Last year's winner was Mike O'Shea, I believe, who was a back-to-back winner after a pair of excellent years with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Does O'Shea make it three in a row, or do you have somebody else taking the crown as the CFL's coach of the year in 2023? I've got Steinhauer. I think really? that, you know, you go from a eight and 10 season to a 12 and six season, as I'm predicting uh, first place in the East. I'm going with our boy Steinhauer. I gave consideration to Orlando Steinhauer, but ultimately I went with Bob Dice. If they, if he and the Red Blacks do make the playoffs, especially if they win a, I know the the awards voting done before the playoffs, but they get to the playoffs, they host a playoff game, which I think they will. I just think that with how much people love Bob Dice, he'll have taken that team from three consecutive last place finishes to a second place finish and a home playoff game. I think even if they finish nine to nine, which I'm projecting them to do, I still think it'll be enough for him to ultimately be named coach of the year. I, I just think that uh, the narrative will be there for it. If you know what I mean, like Steinauer could go 12 and six, but if the, if the red blacks, as I predict do host a home playoff game and make the playoffs for the first time in, in half a decade, I think it'll be too strong to vote against Bob Dice, who everyone seems to care for. All right, let's move on to special teams player of the year. Who do you got taking home that award? I have Mario Alford. Ooh, I think repeat. that. Yeah, he, repeat, he won is, last year. Yeah, I think he's going to have another big season returning the ball. And uh, yeah, he's going to light it up once again. This was one of two awards that I had a really hard time picking a winner for. And given that it's probably his last season, given that I think the Stampeders are going to be a pretty good team, I'm going to go with Renee Paradis to win this award. I don't really have any sort of reasons. It's just kind of a gut feeling. So I, I won't spend too much time on it. But yeah, I got the Calgary kicker taking home the award for top special teams player. Your most outstanding offensive lineman, a.k.a. the Mool, for you is? My Mool is Joel Figueroa. Oh, this, this, right. This is, a guy, this is a guy that I've liked for a long time. His first stint with the with the Tiger Cats, I was high on him. Even though he had his injury problems, I thought when he was on the field, he was one of the best left tackles in this league. Uh, I think he's proven that he is, you know, one of them at this stage of his career. I think he's going to continue to show the league that he's one of the best and the best this season. So Joel Figueroa, most outstanding lineman. We're on the same team, but we're on a different player. I think I've picked him to win top lineman a few times. I'm going Brandon Revenberg. I think this award sometimes goes based on reputation, and sometimes it goes to guys who, oh, man, he's been up for this a bunch of times and never won. The Ticats are a good team. Revenberg's the nominee. I think there'll be sentiment to finally give him this award after nearly a decade of exceptional, exceptional, oh, my God, easy for me to say, exceptional, oh, I can't exceptional uh, exceptional oh my god you know what great play we're just gonna go with great play sentiment will be there based based on a, a resume that uh, that is unimpeachable i can say that with ease so there you go um all right let's move on to top canadian who do you have taking home that award in 2023 i have our boy keandre smith Ooh. 
Ooh. I know it's a kind of a bold prediction, you know, it, it only a second season in the league, but I'm going off of what you've seen in training camp. I think he's going to take whoa, that. Whoa, 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 don't blame this on me if this falls. Uh, <laughs> hey, you, you've been hyping him up and I'm, I'm taking your advice. I got Smith as the most outstanding Canadian. He's going to be a big contributor in this offensive season. I didn't even pick him to win. I got Nick Dembski with this one. Uh, this was a hard one for me, too. I mean, if I had the guts you did, I would have taken Keandre Smith. But I just I don't given the the Tim White Duke Williams factor there. I just don't know. I think he's going to have a breakout season. But for him, that could be 750 yards and four touchdowns versus what I think he put up a couple hundred yards last year and had a, had a TD. So I do think he's going to exceed his totals from last year exponentially. Just don't know if it'll be enough to give him the award. Nick, Nick Dembski is one of the most, he's not underrated. I think he's fairly rated, but he kind of flies under the radar sometimes as a weapon in that offense. I think people, because of Dalton Schoen and now that Kenny Lawler's there and Rashid Bailey, I think they kind of forget about Dembski every now and then, but he's such a dynamic player in the passing game, such a dynamic player in the run game. If he approaches another double-digit touchdown season, I think it'll be... Voters will be hard-pressed to pick anyone other than him, so I'm going to go with Nick Dembski. So for me, the next one was the most difficult award for me to pick. It's most outstanding defensive player. I went off the board with my pick, so I'm curious to hear yours. Who do you have taken home top defensive player in 2023, Mike? I have an Argonaut, Oramalade. Oh, okay. This event that came over from the Calgary Stampeders. I think he's considered to be one of the best defensive ends in this league like by you know, people who know what they're looking at, right? Now, the, they didn't have the the big gaudy numbers last season, but I think he might this season for the Argonauts. Uh, he might lead the league in sacks, so I'm going to go with him. Does Ja'Garrett Davis's less-than-stellar season scare you a little bit with taking an Argo D lineman to win that award? I suppose a little bit because, like, yeah, I suppose <clears throat> Garrett Davis obviously had bigger numbers when he was at the Tiger Cats. He went to the Argonauts, and maybe he's a little bit of a smaller role. Maybe they're <clears throat> asking him to do different things. Uh, so, yeah, it does scare me a little bit, but I just think that this guy is such a, a tremendous player that he's going to break out big time. So, like I said, this was a tough one for me. Initially, I had an Argo just like you, but I had Winton McManus penciled in there. I think he wins the award last year if he stays healthy, but that's kind of been his, his problem. He doesn't really stay healthy. So I said, I went up off the board with this and I did, I went with Derek Moncrief from the Saskatchewan rough riders. I think he's the best Sam linebacker in the league. I think that position doesn't get enough love in these defensive player of the year votes. I think I know he was basically, if you're a Sam linebacker, you're just a larger defensive back. And I think the last DB to win this award was Javon Johnson in like 2011 with the Swaggerville Bombers. So it's been a while since we've seen a DB. It's usually a linebacker or defensive end award. So I went with off the board, like I said, with Moncrief. I don't think the Riders will have a good year, but I think he's going to have a pretty darn impressive statistical season. I think the last Sam linebacker to win was Markeith Knowlton. And Knowlton didn't put up, I think he had 70-something tackles, but he had like five interceptions and two return touchdowns and four fumble recoveries. Like, I think Moncrief can have that kind of impact for Saskatchewan's defense. So, like I said, a little bit off the board, but uh, I kind of went safe with my other one, so I felt the need to kind of mix it up there at the end. All right, last one, the biggie, most outstanding player for 2023. If you look at, look, Zach Kolaris won the last two MOPs. He is right now the betting favorite on pretty much any sports book you look at. Three in a row is tough. Do you got Zach winning three in a row, or do you have someone else taking the crown this year? I've got our boy, Bo Levi Mitchell, taking the crown this year. Like we saw in the NBA this season, three in a row, three MVPs in a row is really tough to get. Uh, and it's the same way in any other league. So, yeah, I got Bo Levi Mitchell. I think he's going to have a, a monster season, and I think he'll take that reign as the best quarterback in the league back. I, too, have Bo Levi Mitchell winning most outstanding player. I think the chip on his shoulder that we talked about, I just think it's it's real, and I think he's going to use that as as sort of his – what's the best way to put it? Like, I just think he, he that's going to motivate him this year – He's he, for the first time in his CFL career, he's being doubted 
And you can say like, well, no one's doubting him. The Calgary Stampeders traded him. And I just remember when they did that with Henry Burris, he came here. The team didn't have much success. The first Burris's first year here, but he put up some, his, I think he put up his highest touchdown total. And at the time his highest passing yards total, which I think he then uh, with Ottawa eclipsed, but it was his best statistical season of his career. He threw like 43 touchdowns and like 5,300 yards or something. I don't know if Bo will reach those heights, but I could easily see a 4,800 yard, 35 touchdown season. And Zach, as good as he is, and he'll probably still be this year, given the numbers he put up a season ago, what he'd have to do this year to, he'd almost have to be, and it, you brought up the NBA and it's kind of similar with like the Nikola Jokic thing. Jokic had to be just otherworldly better than everybody else. And because there were other guys who were close enough, and in some cases like with Joel Embiid who did win the award, his, his scoring numbers were better. His rebounding numbers were similar. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that if you want to win a third straight, you have to just be head and shoulders above everyone else. I don't think Zach will be head and shoulders above everyone else. So I think it'll be a close between the two. I wouldn't be surprised if Claris is the nominee from the West, but I think this will end up in the hands of Bo Levi Mitchell with the caveat, of course, of he has to stay healthy for the full season. So unlike our, our regular season team predictions, where the only dif- difference we had was Ottawa and Toronto's placement, we both kind of, aside from Bo, it's 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 a lot of a lot of different things. I think it, that tells you and and should tell the audience how many guys out there there are capable. And and the thing is, we picked these award winners, and there's so many other deserving guys that could win this this year. I think this mm-hmm. this shows this kind of speaks to the parity that you were talking about earlier, where the league is going to be so tight that I think these awards are even going to be hard to parse out between everyone else. So. Interesting decisions, but let's move on now that we're done with that. It's bold prediction time, Mike. Last year you made a pretty pretty bold one with with Bo. Actually, you said he'd get he'd get benched in Calgary, but would retire. He didn't retire. Obviously, he's now the starting quarterback in Hamilton, uh, but he did get benched. So you nailed at least part part of that. You got anything juicy like that for us this year? What, what are some of your bold predictions for the 2023 CFL season? <clears throat> did okay, I just I hear a, did I just hear paper rustling? Do you have a sheet no. of paper you ready? Are you unfolding? Definitely a- not. No. I cleared my throat. I don't no, oh. no paper. No paper. I'm like, unfurling a scroll to be like, here's my <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 2023. No, I should do that next year. Next year I'll get the scroll out. <laughs> I got a I got about six predictions here. Oh, uh, a lot of them have to do with the Tiger Cats. Uh, my first is the Tiger Cats offensive line allows under 20 sacks. Oh, okay. That's no, a... the, the the best in the league. I think was um was seventeen last year given up yeah, uh, by the Calgary Saint Peters. Yeah. I believe so. Yes. Um. So I think they have the pieces, and I I, I think Bo Levi Mitchell doesn't like getting hit, so he's going to get the ball out as quick as he can. So I think the offensive line is going to have great numbers this year when it when it comes to sacks allowed. That'll be fun to keep track of as the year. Maybe we'll do a sack counter given up all mm-hmm. year to see how long it takes for them to to go over 20 sacks. Hopefully they don't, but that that that'll be a fun thing to kind of keep our eye on as the year yeah. goes on. That that's pretty under bold. 20. Yeah, it is pretty bold. To under 20 sacks. That's a that's a feat. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, going to be tough. Just, but just a touch more than one per game. I mean, if if Bo's only getting sacked one per game, I'm pretty happy with that. I think he would be too. Right. Yes. Uh, okay. So bowl over 5,000 yards passing and 30 plus TDs. I don't think this is a stretch. Uh, we used to see this all the time back in the day with the top QBs in this league. You just mentioned Henry Burst coming in uh, his first year with the Ticats, putting up gaudy numbers over 5,500 yards and 43 it was, touchdowns. It was, 50, I it was 55. Holy smokes. Yeah, I believe so. I don't quote okay. me on that, but I believe it, it was, was def- it was definitely over five thousand. I know that for yep. sure. Yep. Well, yeah, that forty-three TDs by yeah. Burris. That just seems like such a big number now because you don't see that anymore. It's like thirty of around thirty, like top of the league. So yeah, I mean, Zach threw five thousand yards. Zach threw thirty-seven yep. last year, and I think he was the only one that threw over thirty. Yeah. So I got five thousand yards, thirty-plus TDs for Bo. I have three thousand-yard receivers in Hamilton. Tim White, Duke Williams, and Keandre Smith. Ooh, well, I mean, I guess if you have Keandre winning most of Sandy Canyon, he's got to go over 1,000 yeah, yards. Exactly. Uh, I have James Butler, 500 yards receiving. 
a thousand yards rushing. I think that's attainable. Uh, I have the Ticats, the number one uh, defense against the run this year, once again. And I have the Ticats collectively leading the league in sacks. Oh, like we talked about, uh, I believe it was on the last episode when we talked about the defensive line. And I, yes. that's an interesting, that's an interesting, uh, I, I think you, I think you could nail that one. The, the team collectively leading the league in sacks. I, I think that's, uh, that's pretty good. So why don't you, uh, just because there was a lot of talk in there, run down them again. It's, it's uh, Ty Cat's old line under 20 sacks. And where do we go from there? It's bow over 5,000 yard passing and 30 plus touchdowns. I have three 1,000-yard receivers in Hamilton, Tim White, Duke Williams, Keandre Smith. I have James Butler going over 500 yards receiving and 1,000 yards rushing. I have the Ticats number one defense against the run, and I have the Ticats collectively leading the league in sacks. You did go very – I mean, you didn't go Ticats heavy. You went Ticats exclusive, which is good Mm -hmm. because I did not go with any Ticats – stuff so i only had three this year it was uh again these are bold yours are yours are more much more bold than mine are i think mine might be a little a little tame for this but uh here here they are anyway so i mentioned off the top when we were talking about the toronto argonauts that my lack of belief in chad kelly i don't think chad kelly finishes the year as Toronto's starting quarterback and i think that's one of the reasons that this team goes back and forth at quarterback because Kelly is not good enough is one of the reasons that they don't have an opportunity to defend their Grey Cup championship. Sticking at quarterback, I think Vernon Adams, perfect preseason game or not, eventually gets benched in BC for Dane Evans. I think that the Adams-Evans combination is going to be similar to the Mazzoli one. I think it'll be somewhat successful, but I do think at some point Adams will have one of his stereotypical off games where he just he can't get anything done. He eventually gets benched and Evans gets the start. And then Evans, maybe he seeds the, the job back. But I, I just see at some point Dane Evans starts. Uh, you know, let, let's let's caveat this. I say Dane Evans starts at least two games for the BC Lions this year due to Vernon Adams getting benched, not due to injury. And my last one is one coach. I don't know who it will be, but at least one coach will get fired during the season. I, as much as I have Montreal as the last place team in the league, I don't think Jason Moss gets canned midway through the season. I could see Craig Dickinson getting fired, especially mm-hmm. if the riders get off to like a slow start, having them in last place. I know I said that I think the West is going to be pretty tight, but if the riders start the season two and seven, you know what I mean? Or say they get blown, like say they're hovering around 500 or maybe a little bit under and then get obliterated in back-to-back games against Winnipeg in the Labor Day game in the Banjo Bowl. I could see the Riders cutting their losses and letting one of their younger coaches on staff uh, assume the head coaching responsibilities to maybe give them a trial before moving on to someone next year. So those are my three. Chad Kelly eventually gets benched in Toronto and does not finish the year as their starter. Dane Evans will start two-plus games in place of Vernon Adams due to benching. And one coach, I'll say Craig Dickinson, but it could be someone else, does get fired during the regular season. So mine aren't as bold as yours. I think yours, uh, your, the Ticats old line one was a, an especially bold prediction, but uh, I mean, most people would probably disagree with everything I said, and they might disagree with what you said. And that's what makes them bold mm-hmm. predictions. Does it not? Yeah, exactly. But I could, I could see, I could see all three of those coming true, to be honest with you. I, you know, Vernon Adams isn't going to fool me in the preseason performance. And I think Dane Evans is going to be chomping at the bit. To, to get in there and help the team if Vernon Adams falters, which I think he might. Chad Kelly, I mean, listen, we haven't seen much from him. And if he falters, the Argonauts are going to be pretty screwed. They don't have anyone behind him of note. I think Ben Holmes and, and somebody else that doesn't have ben any Holmes real got, Ben Holmes got experience. released. Oh, Ben Holmes. They so cut yeah, Ben Holmes. They got help. nothing they, behind him. Yep. So Did, oh, yeah, I can on. see that as well. Do you yep. see the... Uh, the quote from Dave Naylor about McLeod Bethel Thompson maybe coming back to the CFL after the USFL right. season's over. How I funny would that. it be if all these, all this offseason, all we've heard from these uh, Argo fans is Chad Kelly, Chad Kelly, Chad Kelly. And then as soon as MBT's like, hey, I'm thinking of coming back, they're like, fuck Chad Kelly. Let's bring back, you know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They will it's jump off humorous. that bandwagon so fast. That they you will not even know the, the it'll it'll be like the the old cartoons where it leaves like a a cloud of like 
Right. Yes. Like the old Bugs Bunny cartoon when he runs so fast, or the Roadrunner cartoons, he runs so fast. There's like a silhouette cloud outline of the Roadrunner there. I think that's exactly what would happen. So, but like, yeah. what? Like, so he's just gonna skip training camp? He's gonna like slide in? Like I don't understand. Nah, I don't get it either. I, I'm not even sure if he actually could, unless he got released by the team, because right. I think they're signed until the end of the year. So I'm not even sure he could could actually do it. But anyway, I just thought it was a, a fun thing to talk about. Um, speaking of fun things to do, it's our season preview episode, which means one of our listeners sends in his annual over-unders for us to uh, to pick through. So, Mike, I'll let you lead the way here. What do you got for us this year? All right, our buddy Adam Stalker has sent us in his annual over-unders, so we'll just start it out right away. We got uh, combined Canadian receiving yards, 1,364.5. And I believe this is, he means the Hamilton Tiger Cats, like, alone. That's what I think. Okay, what's the number again? 1,364.5. And he says last year there was uh, 1,364 yards with nine players. Okay, okay. Oh, so this could include, like, running backs as well. So this is all Canadian players on the team, or is it just receivers? There's no way they ran with nine. There's no way they had nine Canadian receivers. Combined Canadian receiving yards. Canadian receiving yards. Okay, so it's it's all Canadian players. Yeah. Well, I mean, I who was there? You know what? I'm going to look this up before I uh, I make my my over under. But I'm going to look up and see who was the leading Canadian receiver for the Ticats last year, because I do think you have Keandre Smith going over a thousand uh, a thousand yards. I think he'll be in the 700 to 800 territory. Um, So if we look up Ticats, this is thrilling audio, I'm sure. Tie cats receivers for the season last year. Yeah, we're not we're not live, pal. We're not live, pal. But uh oh, you know what? Keandre Smith was their leading Canadian receiver last year with 247 yards. Oof. So if they <clears> finished <throat> with 1364, the next top Canadian was David Ungerer at 225. I'm taking the over. I think they fly over that that number. I think because if Keandre Smith has 800 yards receiving, then that means you only need a 765 yards from every other Canadian player on the roster. So I think Richie Sindani could easily put up 500 himself. Now you're already at 1300. That leaves less than 70 yards between every other Canadian on the field. Yeah. I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm pounding the over on that number. Yeah. I'm with you. you. I'm going, I'm going with the over and, you know, there's a possibility that uh, they could start two Canadians in the receiving course. So, and with my prediction of Keandre Smith going over a thousand, I think the rest of the guys can pick up the slack and get to that number for sure. Uh, the next one is uh, Chris Van Zyl. Games regular regular season games played ten and a half. Oh, I don't want to be negative, but I'm going to go under. Uh, I just think, I don't know how many games, I don't know how, how long it's going to be until he starts 10 and a half is more than half the season. I think he played, I'm guessing this number comes from taking the two last seasons and averaging. No, probably not. Cause I don't even think he played that many in the last two seasons. So yeah, unfortunately I think I'm going to have to take the under on that one. Yeah, I agree. I'm not sure when he's going to be ready to play and I'm not sure if he's going to be the starter when he's ready to play. So I'm going to, I'm going to pound the under as well. Uh, Tim white, all purpose yards, 1644.5. Ooh, that seems, I just don't know what he's going to do in the return game. I think they have enough guys. I don't think they're going to put him back there. And I don't think he's going to go over like 1700 yards receiving. Like, I think he could lead the, like he led the team last year with less than 1300 I could see maybe a 1,400-yard year with Bo. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go with the under on that one. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to go with under as well. I just don't see him making that number with just receiving yards, and I don't see him being involved in the run game as much. Maybe, maybe they'll do some end arounds with him, but I don't see him, you know, racking up some rushing yards or or returning yards either. So I think he's strictly gonna be catching the ball for the most part. And I could see, you know, I could see a health. The number 1400, 1500, 13 to 1500, maybe that's a really good season, but I don't see over 1644.5. Do 
Duke Williams receiving yards, 1147.5. Oh. That's a lot for a number two. You know what, though? I'm going to take the over because I do think if he plays 16 games, which I think he will at least, he's going to be a prime target for Bo. I think he could be, when Speedy B racked up what well, his MOP year, what was it, like 1,600 yards or something like that? Braylon Addison had over 1,200. I think you could easily do that again this year. So, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm going to, you know, hue on the side of positive and say Duke Williams goes over 1147 and a half. Yeah, I'm going to be with you and say just slightly over that number because they have Keandre Smith getting 1,000 yards as well, which I think he'll just barely get to that number. Like you'll have so, like, yeah. like you got him at like you know thousand sixty or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Like I don't think he's gonna be around eleven hundred or twelve hundred yards, but I could see him getting just over a thousand yards. So I'm gonna go over on the Duke Williams yards as well. Uh, James Butler rushing and receiving yards, fourteen hundred and forty four point five. Well, I already know the answer for you on this is mm-hmm. over because you got Butler at fifteen hundred yards in your bold predictions. I'm going to go with you. I don't know if he's going to go for a thousand rushing, but I could easily see 900 receiving six or 900 receiving 600 receiving 900 rushing. So if he stays healthy, I, I think he easily eclipses over 1400 and whatever. I, the numbers are, are there's so many numbers there. I sometimes forget, but it's, 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 it's 1444.5. 1444. I think he goes over 1500 <clears throat> total yards. Okay. Laurent plus Diallo plus Botang plus Bennett combines. Stacks 14 and a half. It's a tough one. So for four guys, 14 and a half. So that's like three and a half sacks. Four, yeah, say, say 3.75 sacks each. Whoa. Teddy's not a big sack guy. No. Kwaku, not sure how. I think I got to take the under on that one Uh, just because, like I said, you're hearing me and I didn't get these questions in advance. So I'm doing this in real time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just think, I don't know when Quake who's going to be in, you know, when he's going to actually play in a game. So that depresses his number. Teddy's not a big sack guy. I don't, I think Mason Bennett had seven last year. So, I mean, I could be, I could be going a little, too cautious here and diallo i don't know how big of a sack guy he is so this this to me is uh yeah i think i'm gonna have to go under 14 and a half i'm with you as well i think maybe they make it to 14 i could see bennett and botang botang combining for 10 sacks and then maybe laurent and diallo make two each or something like that but i'm gonna have to go with the under as well Mm -hmm. Okay, you got a couple more for you from Adam. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell over unders. Completion percentage, 64.5. Bo Levi Mitchell's last three seasons were 64.4. What? You know what? I'm going to, I just want to look up to see what his career uh, completion percentage is because that'll give me a better idea. I'm leaning towards the over because I think he's going to have, I think he's going to have a really, I mean, he's going to win MOP. You know what? I don't need to look. I'm saying over because he's, I am winning MOP. I think he's going to go over. So yeah, I think he's going to have a really good season. I'll take the over. Yeah, I'll take the over as well. You know, I could see him in the 66, 67 range, maybe something closer to 70, which would be a tremendous, tremendous number. Um, But yeah, I see him, you know, a couple points over that 64.5. I think this is just going to be a resurgent year for him uh now yards 3, 3883.5 oh well, i'm going well over yeah I'm well well over yeah um yeah. i think five four thousand yards without a doubt you got him at five thousand so obviously you're going over as well but no i think i think a full season and again i'm basing this on him playing a full season i think uh you know 16 17 18 games uh, I think he flies over the 4,000 mark and, and gets to, if not exceeds the 5,000 mark. So yeah, 3,800. Yeah. He's going over that without a doubt. I mean, he said at the press conference, we're going to make the CFL fun again. So that yep. means throwing the ball around the field. And uh, it wasn't that long ago that getting to 5,000 yards passing wasn't a huge, huge accomplishment accomplishment in the CFL. So we're hoping to get back to that. Now for the last one, TDs, 
28 and a half. That's a really good number because he could he could throw for 5,000 yards and 28 touchdowns, and that's a really damn good season. Um, especially, like you said, we don't really see that. But you know what? I think he's got weapons on offense. I think James Butler sneakily could have eight receiving touchdowns. We saw what he looked, what he was doing in the in the one preseason game, and I know you know you don't take you take preseason stuff with a grain of salt, but he looks like he wants to push the ball downfield. Twenty-eight and a half. I, again, I got him winning MOP. I'm gonna go err on the side of positivity. I'm gonna pound the over. And I mean, you said I, we don't. Mm-hmm. Do we even have to ask you because you you no. said he was gonna go for thirty plus three bowl predictions. So yep. you got over. him too. So yeah. So I, did we disagree on it? I don't think we disagreed on anything. Um, no, what was, go go over the on. numbers again, and, I, and I'll tell you because I wrote them down. Okay. So we the questions again. Yeah, yeah, go over the questions again. It was okay, 13, okay, yeah, thirteen sixty four point five Canadian receiving yards, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Chris yeah. Van Zyl, regular over season that. games. Yep, over on that regular season games played for Chris Van Zyl, ten both and a half. The, yeah, we both hit the under. Tim White, all purpose yards, sixteen forty four and a half. Yeah, we both hit the under. Duke Williams receiving yards, eleven hundred forty seven and a half. Both hit the over. Butler rushing and receiving yards, one four four. Five, 1,444.5. Yeah, both hit the over. Laurent plus Diallo plus Botang plus Bennett combined sacks, 14 and a half. Yeah, we both hit the under. And and on the bow stuff, we all hit the over. So, yeah, we agree yeah. on every single one of those. That is scary because that usually means bad things. Yes, yes, it, it does. It really does. All right. So, Adam, as always, thank you for the over-unders. They're, they're fantastic. You know what? I will get a little gambling stuff in here because i am curious his numbers so he had bo levi at what 38 what was it 38 8 3.5 38 so, 8, 3.5 okay so FanDuel has bows over under set at 36 25.5 so oh, wow. I, guess, okay. I guess we would pound the over on that one and he's also at plus 310 for the most passing yards in the regular season uh, five thousand yard season Probably think that that might be a good one to hit as well. Uh, James Butler, they don't have all-purpose yards, unfortunately, for him on FanDuel, but they do have his rushing yards. It's an over-under of 899.5. That's usually pretty dangerous for Ticats, but uh, I don't know. That that might be something you'd want to hit the over on as well. And we're talking wide receivers here. Uh, Duke Williams, I hope, I hope they have him on here. I don't see him yet. Come on, Duke. Show up. Damn it, they don't. They just have Tim White. But Tim White's over-under is only 1,077.5. Once we're done the show, I'm logging into FanDuel, and I am placing a map. Tim White's going to go well over. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, he's not even at 1,100 yards. He's going to just demolish that. See, on, uh, on the Cool Bet website, I got Tim White total receiving yards this season at over 1,200. He got the number at 1,200.5. Oh, all right, you got to sign up for FanDuel. Hit that, hit that under mm-hmm. 1,077, like that, or that over. Like that's a, that's the thing with gambling on the CFL sometimes is like they don't set the numbers as right. Like not you paying could, attention as closely as they would no, any it, other league, right? Yeah, if you if you know enough about the CFL, there's money to be made gambling on the CFL. But that's uh that's our little gambling gambling advice for this week. Uh, let's move on now. We're going to finish things up on this special season preview episode by doing something that I will freely admit I completely stole from the Mina Kime show. And that is Mike and I are going to do a CFL team draft. The concept is simple. Mike and I are each going to select three teams and we will get points based on how those teams do in 2023. Here's how the point system works. You get one point for each win, five points for making the playoffs, 10 points for making the division finals, 15 points for making the Grey Cup, and 25 points for winning the Grey Cup. There's also a bonus point for each award winner that comes from one of your teams. You might be asking yourself, why are we only selecting three teams each when there are nine teams total in the league? Well, the simple answer is there's no good way of dividing up nine teams between two people. But... Instead of doing that, we're going to be leaving one team out, which we would have done if we'd have done everyone, if we would have done even as even as we could. Instead, Mike will have his team of three. 
I will have my team of three, and the remaining three will form a team of their own that we are calling the Unwanteds. Could this lead to embarrassment where the team, that team that neither of us picked, beats both Mike mm. and myself? Yes. Yes, it could. And that is maybe the most fun part about this. So we're going to start with a draft. We're going to go, we're going to alternate between picks. Mike is going to pick his team first. I'm assuming it's going to be the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We will alternate by picking our three teams. And then the remaining three teams will become that unwanted group. So Mike, are you ready for the team draft? I'll put on my GM cap and uh, we'll get doing this. All right. So who are you taking? Get, get doing this. Holy <laughs> crap. I'm a... <laughs> It's like a redneck. It's <laughs> not very good. <laughs> you've been living it. You've been living out west too long, buddy. All right, let's start. Who are you taking with your first pick in the first annual Podski Wee Wee CFL team draft? Oh, the first pick in the Podski Wee Wee draft, I'm going to go with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And I know that's uh, maybe a bit of a shock that I didn't go with the Tiger Cats, but, you know. We're uh, we're competing in this one, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are a, a proven commodity over the seasons. I think they're guaranteed to get me some points, so I'm going with them. Well, you gave me a layup. I'm going with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I don't blame you for taking the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I thought you were going Hamilton first overall. If you had done that, I would have gone with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, so I cannot fault you for that. But you gave me... I, Look, we off the bat, we take the two teams we think are going to finish 1-2 in the standing, like first place in both divisions. I'm going to go with the with the Thai Cats here. So who is your second pick in our first ever team draft? I'm going to go with the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, I have them pegged for second in the West. So I think uh, just like Winnipeg, they're you know you can't doubt them until you actually see them start losing in a season. And uh, we haven't really seen we haven't really saw that yet. I mean, we there was a little bit of a decline last season with Jake Maris quarterback and Bolivol. Levi Mitchell taking a back seat, but I think they're going to bounce right back and uh, they'll give me a lot of points in this, uh, in this game of ours. So man, we're going, we're going chalk here pretty much first place teams in the East or first place team in the West and the East second place team in the West. Well, you took my one and two in the West. So I got to go with my second place team in the East, the team that I think is going to win the third most games uh, or the fourth most games, I should say this year, a little bit off the board after a couple of, tumultuous season i'm going with the ottawa red blocks i think they're going to be a lot better this year so i'm this is this is maybe a bit of a reach maybe a team like bc would have been a smarter pick or even a team like toronto given what they accomplished last year but i'm going with the ottawa red blacks with this one so with your last pick your third pick who are you taking you know, the wiser pick might be the Toronto Argonauts, but I, I just don't I don't want to be associated with them uh, in any way. So I'm going to go with the Edmonton Elks. You know how high I've I've been on them, you know, not um, last year per se, but I think they've gotten better and better and better. And I think they're going to be third in the West this season. And uh, I think they'll they'll do pretty well. So I am going to go with. The BC Lions. I think that they are going to finish with a better record than the Toronto Argonauts, even though I'm not as high on the Lions as maybe some observers are. I too, I guess honestly, I couldn't, I don't want to win with the Argos getting me points. Like, mm-hmm. I was happy to win a bunch of money when they won the Grey Cup last year, but for something fun like this, I don't want to have to cheer for the Argos to win. So, I mean, I'd rather lose to the... So that means the unwanted team is the Argos, Alouettes, and, and Riders, which, I mean, not having to root for Saskatchewan and Toronto to win, I mean, that's that feels mm. pretty darn good to me. Even if we lose to that team, I'm not going to be upset with myself because I wouldn't have wanted to win with those teams anyway. So nope. to, to recap here, in our, in our first annual team draft, Mike goes with the Bombers, the Stampeders, and the Edmonton Elks, all three Western teams. I go with the Tiger Cats, Red Blacks, and Lions. And our unwanted group is the Argonauts, the Alouettes, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So this should be a fun thing. You know what I think we'll do at the end of every episode? Do a little bit of a recap. Keep people up to speed on what on how this is going. Uh, the, the rules, there were a lot of them. But, uh, I mean, for, for the, to start the season, it's really just we're getting one win each. So maybe we'll do a... Uh, an update at point maybe we won't do it every week but we'll do an update uh 
throughout the season to be to know where we stand. We'll be keeping track of the points, obviously, because we want to win. But yeah, this this should be pretty fun. If uh, I mean, if 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 either of our Grey Cup predictions come to fruition, you're looking pretty good. But if the Hamilton Tiger Cats pull this off, that might be what differentiates the winner from the loser in this one. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that. You know, if we get that one prediction right, we'll be we'll be pretty happy. I mean, here's the thing: if I lose this, but the Cats win the cup, I'm sure. Yeah. I should say, if you lose this and the Cats win the cup because you didn't pick Hamilton, I don't think you're going to be upset at all. No, definitely not. Definitely not. I um, I'd, I'd much rather take a Hamilton win over a a win over you, even though it would be sweet. I mean, hey, you you got your bold predictions over me last year, and you haven't lorded it over me go. like I would with you, like when uh, when, we used to, <laughs> when we used to do uh, CFL fantasy when it was actually fun and you did head to head and drafts and stuff. And I, I won, I think twice in three years or whatever it was. I, you know, I would Lord that over you for forever because I was the king of fantasy, but this is a little different. This is a lot of fun. Uh, another season preview episode in the books. How are you, how much are you looking forward to this upcoming season? I'm pumped. Uh, I mean, I'm excited every season, but I just feel like, you know, the way that the tiger cats have built their team in the off season, and the way that they're going for it all, it's great copper bust. I am pumped for the season to start. Yeah, there certainly seems to be a buzz around the city with with the team. There certainly seems to be amongst fans sort of a palpable excitement that this season's about to kick off and that it might it might not be the uh, the crap show that we've seen the last few years. Unfortunately, it's uh, it, this year feels a little different. Of course, we've been saying that now going on. Ah, 23 years we've been saying that it feels different mm-hmm. this year but uh it definitely does i think this is going to be a really good cfl season can't wait for it to kick off on thursday we got some fun stuff planned throughout this upcoming cfl season so uh stay tuned to our social media channels stay tuned to the show itself we'll be hopefully unveiling some new stuff in the near future that you guys will all enjoy uh so for the second time this week that was pod wee wee i'm josh smith And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.